0: For Theatre Talk on WBFO, I'm Anthony Chase. And I'm Peter Hall. And we have now seen the national tour of Moulin Rouge here in Buffalo through this weekend. It will have been a two-week stay at Shea's.
1: What a set, lighting, everything. It re teched in Buffalo, so we got a really freshly painted look at this non-stop musical. Yeah. But I have a question. Question for you, Mr. Chase. All of those songs, I mean, I don't know how many songs there were, but who can afford to pay the royalties on all those songs? Well, that actually is quite a saga, and it is 70 songs,
0: or, you know, bits of 70 songs, and 151 people get royalties from those songs because pop songs are frequently a a group effort. And it was a long period of negotiation to get them. They had decided that they wanted more songs that had been in the film. The soundtrack from the film had gone platinum and they knew they had some bargaining power with the people who owned the material. They really, really wanted a Rolling Stones number. The Rolling Stones had denied permission for the film, but came around for the musical. And the way that they're paid, it is a percentage of the gross for the show based on the duration for which the song is played in the musical. <laughs> And they were willing to walk away completely. If you tried to hardball them and get more, they'd say, okay, you don't need to be in it at all. And, then, and they knew the film had gone platinum. They want to make some money out of this. So everyone wanted to be in it. They leveraged the success of the film to get the creators of these songs to allow them to be used in the musical. And that's how that was done. Just fabulous. It is. Moulin Rouge through the weekend at Chaise. I also saw, along similar lines, lavish musicals, Rocky Horror Show at deauville Theater, and that's an
1: A-team of musical theater artists having no shame whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I gather they did have a midnight showing, but with the caveat, you can't bring props. No toast, no toilet paper being thrown at the beautiful Kavanoki Theater. No, you're not allowed
0: to throw anything except abuse at the stage. <laughs> that's the Rocky Horror Show.
1: We both got over to the Alleyway Theater for an interesting new play called The Natural Horse, a pun on a book by Frank Lloyd Wright, The Natural House. I gather it's what we call Theater of the Absurd. It's kind of hard to explain to people. Yes, and you say interesting. I thought delightful. I guess you, you, approach, you
0: approach absurdist theater much as you would poetry, the layers of meaning and the recurring themes. In this case, the division between nature and culture. And I think the ways in which people are disenfranchised for culture, the very first concern with this family, this immigrant family, and they're also kind of pariahs in their neighborhood. Their neighborhood association and some kind of gated community they live in is always on their case. And when the daughter comes home with a horse, a natural horse, well, this is definitely going to get us evicted from the neighborhood. This is a problem. And of course, it's not a real horse. It's two actors in a horse costume. And as the mother's describing, played by Alex Malays with her heavy Russian accent, <laughs> how she's designing this community living for poor people, and she only wants two kitchens for the whole community. She's saying, well, it's culture that's taught them to retreat into their private spaces. I want communal living, a sense of community. And of course, she can't impose this, but it is true that there's no such thing as a natural person, that we are born into culture. The daughter who is gay is having to deal with this, everything about the family that distances them from others, and it gets highlighted through the absurdist premise of the daughter coming home with a natural horse. The author is T. Adamson, And I think it's a a wonderful play.
1: Well, it is certainly beautifully acted. This very friendly horse who hangs out in the living room.
0: At times, too friendly.
1: (laughs) Set in Racine,
0: Wisconsin, which is the hometown of my brother-in-law. And I'll tell you, there's nothing more middle America than that. So. We also got up to Sisters-in-Law, which is about the relationship between the first two women to serve on the Supreme Court, Sandra Day O'Connor and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh,
1: Priscilla young anchor, plays Sandra Day O'Connor, very prim, very proper. She's been on the court for 12 years by the time Ruth Bader Ginsburg shows up.
0: She does not suffer whiners and complainers. They do sturt the issue of one of her most consequential decisions. George Bush-Al Gore decision in which she was pivotal and which she would later regret. But uh, a lot of other decisions are featured prominently and you get a vivid sense of of these two women and what their relationship might have been like. Jewish Repertory Theater. Well, coming up will be All My Sons, Arthur Miller Classic at Roadless Traveled Theater and Legally Blonde at a Musical Fair Theater. And we'll, we'll get to those. This weekend, The Convent at Brazen-Faced Varlet's. Look forward to talking about that. They'll be performing at what we used to call Theater Loft. 545 Elmwood Avenue. For Theater Talk on WBFO. I'm Peter Hall. And I'm Anthony Chase.